My name is Rob Meager. I'm an interfaith minister. I lead a spiritual ministry initiative in Ottawa called Spiritual Guidance. And these are further reflections. Welcome to episode 7 of Further Reflections. I'm your host, Mark A. This episode is being released on February 4th of 2018, and it's the first episode to be released in February. The guest this week is Robert Meager. Robert is many things, including a psychotherapist and an interfaith minister, and he's a very spiritual person with quite an interesting uh, story. And I'll say more about Robert in a minute. But Robert first came to my attention back in 2012. I checked my email, and that was the first email correspondence I'd had with him. Although I may have met him before that, I'm not entirely sure. But around late 2012, going into 2013, I attended a series of discussion groups, which were held, I believe, every two weeks for a number of years. And I enjoyed some of the topics that were discussed. They were all kinds of interesting people there, and uh, it was quite an interesting uh, experience. Robert has since stopped doing those meetings, but he's done many other things, including men's group and meetings on A Course in Miracles. Rather than read a lengthy bio of Robert, I'll invite you to go to the website Serving Your Journey, which is Robert's personal website. That's servingyourjourney.com. And if you go to the About section, you can read a biography of uh, Robert Meager. Robert's also associated with a man named Richard Harvey at the Center for Human Awakening. You can find more about that website at centerforhumanawakening.com. You can find more about Further Reflections at furtherreflections.net, where you can find uh, past episodes and my previous podcast, Reflections On, and you can also see how to support the podcast and a little bit about myself. The guest on the next episode of the podcast will be Pamela French. In anticipation, you can go to the website empowermentiseverything.ca, which is her personal Uh, website and coaching services. You can also look for Authentic Relating Ottawa on Facebook and Meetup. Pamela is a co-founder of that organization, and I'll have more to say about that when I present her interview for you. I thought maybe I'd do something a little different uh, in this intro here. I'm going to fade you into Robert Meager with 
uh, a little bit of a, a passage from the book The Alchemist by Paulo Coelho. And uh, I've been reading this book lately, and I finished it uh, the other day. And I'd read it once before, back in uh, 2000 and somewhere around 2009, 2010, when I was living in Poland. And I guess because he's maybe a Catholic writer of some description, that he was very popular at that time in Poland. And they had all of his books. But strangely enough, The Alchemist was the most difficult book to find of his when I was there. And that's considered his uh, most well-known book by uh, most people. But uh, I read about three of his books, including The Alchemist. And recently I've tried to get back into reading. It's been kind of difficult to read lately. I have some issues with concentration. So I've been taking it easy, just reading 30 to 40 pages a night or something like that. And The Alchemist is pretty short. It's 170, 75 pages or so. And uh, I like this book, and I think in a future podcast, I'll maybe recap some of the books I've been reading lately. So I won't go into too much detail here about The Alchemist, but it's a story about uh, discovering your destiny and the people that lead you along the way, and uh, basically uh, just about trusting in the universe, I guess. And it's a very simple story. I love the prose. And I just thought I'd read something from the book. Um, it seems kind of maybe a bit appropriate for Robert Meager. It's a spiritual story. Robert maybe discovered his personal destiny back in starting in 2006 and then culminating in 2008. So I thought it'd be fun to read that here. If you look at the episode notes for this podcast, you will see there's a link to something called The Enlightened Moment which is a series of lectures that's, or workshops, I guess you could say, that uh, Richard Harvey is giving. Robert's going to talk in detail about who Richard Harvey is and his work. But Richard Harvey's coming to Ottawa, and this podcast is based in Ottawa, Canada. So I, on Robert's request, uh, will provide a link to Richard's upcoming, um, Richard's upcoming workshop in May of 2018 at uh, St. Paul University in Ottawa. But if you go to the Center for Human Awakening, I believe you can see other places that Richard Harvey will be uh, speaking as well on this tour. And uh, in a minute, you'll be hearing my interview with Robert Meager, and I'll catch you next time. Let's sell tea to the people who climb the hill. Lots of places sell tea around here, the merchant said. But we could sell tea in crystal glasses. The people will enjoy the tea and want to buy the glasses. I have been told that beauty is the great seducer of men. The merchant didn't respond. But that afternoon, after saying his prayers and closing the shop, he invited the boy to sit with him and share his hookah, that strange pipe used by the Arabs. What is it you're looking for? asked the old merchant. I've already told you, I need to buy my sheep back, so I have to earn the money to do so. The merchant put some new coals in the hookah and inhaled deeply. I've had this shop for 30 years. I know good crystal from dad, and everything else there is to know about crystal. I know its dimensions and how it behaves. If we serve tea and crystal, the shop is going to expand, and then I'll have to change my way of life. Well, isn't that good? I'm already used to the way things are. 
Before you came, I was thinking about how much time I had wasted in the same place while my friends had moved on and either went bankrupt or did better than they had before. It made me very depressed. Now I can see this hasn't been too bad. The shop is exactly the size I always wanted it to be. I don't want to change anything because I don't know how to deal with change. I'm used to the way I am. The boy didn't know what to say. The old man continued, You have been a real blessing to me. Today I understand something I didn't see before. Every blessing ignored becomes a curse. I don't want anything else in life, but you are forcing me to look at wealth and horizons I have never known. Now that I have seen them, and now that I see how immense my possibilities are, I'm going to feel worse than I did before you arrived. Because I know the things I should be able to accomplish, and I don't want to do so. They went on smoking the pipe for a while as the sun began to set. They were conversing in Arabic, and the boy was proud of himself for being able to do so. There had been a time when he thought that his sheep could teach him everything he needed to know about the world, but they could never have taught him Arabic. There are probably other things in the world that sheep can't teach me, thought the boy as he regarded the old merchant. All they ever do, really, is look for food and water, and maybe it wasn't they that were teaching me, but I was learning from them. Maktub, the merchant said finally. What does that mean? You would have to have been born an Arab to understand, he answered. But in your language, it would be something like, it is written. And as he smothered the coals in the hookah, he told the boy that he would begin to sell tea and the crystal glasses. Sometimes there's just no way to hold back the river. Welcome to Further Reflections, Robert. Why don't you give a brief uh, introduction to the uh, audience of your life and work? Thank you, Mark, for having me. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here. I uh, have had an interesting journey, certainly over the past uh, decade. I was working in what might be considered a traditional uh, role, a traditional job, and a traditional career. And that was in consulting uh, in Ottawa. And about 10 years ago, a, a transformation started to unfold that led, led me to become ordained as an interfaith minister. That resulted in uh, beginning a ministry initiative called Spiritual Guidance in 2009. And then about a year later, 
began to train as a psychotherapist or specifically a spiritual psychological psychotherapist. And that put me on the path of uh, training and certification in that area. And that certification, the first one, was reached in 2015 and have since then begun a private practice in spiritual psychological psychotherapy or psychospiritual psychotherapy and also collaborate with a number of people on related uh, initiatives but the two broad initiatives that um, I'm blessed to be involved in one spiritual guidance which is a spiritual ministry initiative uh, based out of Ottawa and the other is called the Center for Human Awakening that is a collaborative event adventure with my teacher Richard Harvey and that is predominantly an online offering with products and services offered online but there are some events that happen regularly in Ottawa as well as uh, throughout Europe and the United Kingdom. Take us back to 2008 and tell us about this uh, shift that was going on in your life. Well, it actually began, an awareness of a shift began in 2006 when I just realized I wasn't happy. And of course, at the time, I was in a mind space of what was happening outside of me <laughs> was what was making me unhappy. Um, it became the blame game, you know, other people, other events, other circumstances. And it wasn't until much later that I realized it was me that was not happy. It had nothing to do at all with other people and other things. And that then in 2007 invited me to begin working with a, what was called at the time, a life coach. And I was thinking I wanted to change careers. I wanted to change direction. And so after a year working with that life coach, I came out with uh, and was very enthusiastic about this this new core goal, this new core statement that was to guide me forward in looking for new work, new career. As I previously mentioned, I was working in consulting in Ottawa. And so I did something some consider courageous, other others would consider reckless. And in 2008, I gave my notice that I would be leaving a year's hence. Uh, which was, again, thought to be a courageous thing by some and rather reckless by other people because one doesn't give a notice for a whole year. You give your notice maybe a couple of weeks in advance, maybe three at the most, four, but not a whole year. That uh, The reason I did that primarily was because I had some significant responsibilities within the firm I worked with and I didn't want to leave them just stranded and wanted to give everyone a whole year to to adjust uh, to my departure and to start to transition some of the responsibilities that I had. So when I left a year later, and this would have been September in 2009, the very end of August, I um, set myself adrift because I did not have another job to move directly into. And I thought to myself, I'll have all the time in the world to begin networking when I leave. And I wanted to stay committed and focused on the job I had at hand. And when I left, again, end of August 2009, beginning of September, I then began working uh, or networking full time. 
And something quite interesting, I'll use that word now, at the time it was rather mysterious, but within my first month of networking, I had three coffees, lunches with colleagues, none of whom knew each other. And each of them asked me the same question. And today I still reflect back on it and I smile and sometimes I giggle. And that question was simply, Rob, have you ever considered ministry? <laughs> and the, the first two people who asked me that question, my immediate response was, are you crazy? Uh, because the thought of becoming a minister or being ordained as a minister was so far removed from my realm of possibility that I met with complete and utter resistance. And then the third colleague, a week later, asked me the same question. And the word started to come out of my mouth, are you crazy? But I stopped myself and I asked them, what is it you're seeing in me that would make you ask that question? So the conversation went on and I listened and we parted. And before I got home, which was only about a six block walk, the, the thought of moving in that direction started to expand. It started to seep in. It started to resonate on some level, but yet it seemed still quite unusual that I would, um, given my experience growing up in a, a traditional Christian uh, family, traditional Christian setting in a Roman Catholic church, and seeing all that you see and turning away from the church and your teens and not going back to your uh, church or even your faith uh, as you move through adolescence and into supposed adulthood. And in the days that followed, uh, the idea of becoming a minister, the spark started to grow. And I very quickly uh, started doing some research and was led to the idea of interfaith ministry, uh, which again began to resonate with me uh, quickly. And within a couple of months of that, uh, discovered some interfaith seminaries. Uh, around the world. Interestingly, at the time, remember this was back in 2009, there seemed to be a focus or a concentration of interfaith ministries in New York State in the United States. Several of them were in Manhattan. Uh, one of them, which I ultimately decided to work with, uh, was in northern New York State. And a couple months after that, uh, got in touch with the people who led that ministry, that seminary, and began a course of study. And a little over a year later was uh, ordained. The day after was ordained uh, in 2011, or 2010, I believe, I launched uh, Spiritual Guidance, uh, which set out for me a, a new course, a new path, you could say, and a series of services um, that were offered through the uh, the ministry. 
Yeah, spiritual guidance is um, is the term or the word for this spiritual ministry initiative. And there, there's primarily five services uh, that I offer. The the first service, the the most prominent service is that of the psychospiritual psychotherapy called sacred attention therapy. And sacred attention therapy is based on the work of a spiritual teacher, author, and a psychospiritual psychotherapist by the name of Richard Harvey. And we, we can come back to that budding and that growing collaboration with Richard Harvey um, uh, later in our discussion, if you want. But the sacred attention therapy is based um, on his work, and it's a form of depth, depth psychotherapy, which brings together the psychology, the science of psychology, and spiritual teaching. It respects and reflects the various branches or fields of psychology, so the psychoanalytic theories, behaviorism, humanistic and transpersonal psychologies, and then brings together and knits together uh, spiritual teaching uh, and spirituality in general. So the depth psychotherapy is, is the primary service uh, that I offer. So that could be in meeting one-on-one. Uh, -on -one. Uh, it could be uh, through couples work, Mark, as well as through group work, which I do a fair amount of. So that, again, sacred attention therapy is the is the primary service. Extending from that, there is some significant uh, work I do in building a community around a spiritual teaching called A Course in Miracles, which uh, you and your listeners may or may not be familiar with. A Course in Miracles is very simply a self-study course in personal and spiritual transformation. So I will work with people, uh, again, one-on-one -on -one if they wish to be immersed in this teaching. Primarily, I extend the teachings of the course through weekly study and discussion groups. And there's four opportunities uh, each week to come together in a study group environment. Three of them are in person in Ottawa. One of them on Saturday evening is via Skype and, and welcomes a, a group of students uh, internationally uh, via Skype. In addition to the psychothera uh, psychotherapy and the Course in Miracles work, there are some satsangs or spiritual settings that I host on the last Sunday of each month. That is in direct collaboration with the Center for Human Awakening, which I mentioned earlier. But the satsangs are an opportunity to come together, uh, sit in truth, uh, or in the company of others seeking truth. And that event, those satsangs happen on the last Sunday of each month. There are some ministries, some perhaps more traditional ministry services that I offer. That is focused on um, sitting and being with the sick, the infirm, and those in transition, those dying. It's uh, a wonderful opportunity to uh, be with people at that stage in their life. Uh, it's truly a blessing. So the ministerial services are focused on simply being with, uh, again, those who are sick and firm or in the process of transitioning. What, what might be, Mark, considered uh, chaplaincy work is the orientation of those ministry services. And then lastly, there is something I recently started 
as part of spiritual guidance, and that is a healer's peer mentoring and support group. In a traditional counseling or therapy setting, that might be thought of as a supervisory group, but I'm calling it to try and expand its reach, uh, a healer's peer mentoring and support group. So it's an opportunity for healers in whatever capacity uh, they may find themselves in. So whether that's a psychiatrist, psychologist, psychoanalyst, uh, psychotherapist, counselor, Reiki practitioner, yoga practitioner, anyone who's in the healing profession to be able to come together with peers uh, and learn from one another. Say a little more about A Course in Miracles and uh, why that appeals to you so much over other uh, books or traditions. Well, similar to how I was led seemingly mysteriously or serendipitously to the idea of interfaith ministry, back in 2009 when I kind of let myself go and set myself afloat to live my life in a new way, one of the people that I met and uh, have since developed a, a wonderful friendship with, they introduced me to this thing called A Course in Miracles. And at the time, uh, you know, I hadn't heard of it before. And and I can remember our very first meeting, they handed me the book and they said, look, just open it to any page and start reading. And it just so happened that A Course in Miracles has a supplement on psychotherapy. And I just so happened to start turning to it and reading it. And it very much resonated with me. A Course in Miracles for what could be millions of, of people or students around the world is, as I mentioned before, is simply a self-study course in personal and spiritual transformation. It is for uh, perhaps tens of thousands of practitioners or healers, again, psychiatrists, psychoanalysts, psychologists, counselors, uh, other energy healers. It's a psycho-spiritual, psychotherapeutic healing modality. So it very much aligns with my, um, with my love of working in a psychotherapy setting. And the teachings of A Course in Miracles are very much aligned with the approach in uh, sacred attention therapy, which is the form of depth psychotherapy that I practice. A Course in Miracles, for many, many people, I think, can offer them the opportunity to heal their relationships, heal their dis-eases uh, through an approach that is uh, talked about a lot in the course, and that approach is forgiveness. It means a lot of things to a lot of people. It has a, quite a specific meaning in the context of the course, but it's through daily practice through a set of lessons 365 lessons, in fact, in the Course in Miracles, that a person is invited to heal their relationships, heal their life, uh, heal their dis-eases. I think it's alignment, Mark, with the sacred attention therapy and the form of depth psychotherapy that I practice is, is one of the reasons I've been able to immerse myself and stay with and continue to stay with and learn and extend A Course in Miracles because of its alignment. And I offer, as I shared earlier, four study and discussion groups each week, one on Tuesday afternoon, one on Tuesday evening, on Thursday evening, and then on Saturday evening. 
the Tuesday afternoon, evening, and the Thursday evening groups uh, take place here in Ottawa, and the Saturday evening group online via Skype. Why don't you talk about how different faith traditions have influenced you in your life over the years? Well, it's interesting and it's um, it's insightful. Also, uh, I, I sense you've had a, a peek around my website that talks that talks about those influences. And when I think back about it, and as I wrote it on my website and describing my background uh, from a faith and spiritual tradition point of view, I didn't consciously at the time. Of course, you're growing up as a small child and as a you know, you're moving through adolescence into adulthood. I didn't consciously seek out to be exposed to other spiritual and faith traditions, but it seemed to happen quite naturally. So as a small child, I grew up in a neighborhood that uncharacteristically to that neighborhood in that area of the country had some Hindu and had some Muslim families. And so was exposed to those cultures and those faith traditions from a very, very early age. And then I began, was fortunate uh, to begin traveling in my life and traveled to uh, the Middle East, uh, where I was further exposed to other cultures and, and faith traditions. Uh, there were some esoteric, one might say, uh, spiritual and faith traditions like Huna, uh, shamanism, Sufism, and others that, again, I didn't feel like I was seeking them out at the time, but they presented themselves to me and didn't think much of it at the time. But fast forward to 2009, 2010, keeping in mind all the way along, I'd grown up in a traditional Christian tradition in the Roman Catholic Church. And and that influence as well. And so when in 2009, I began thinking about the idea of ministry and being ordained, all of these preceding influences, so the exposure to the Hindu families, the Muslim families as I grew up as a small boy and in rural Nova Scotia, um, the exposure I had to other spiritual and faith traditions in my travels uh, to many parts of the world, this all just came together and, and beautifully fit together to guide me to interfaith ministry, to be able to celebrate all spiritual and faith traditions without the exclusion of any, or said positively, the inclusion of, of all. And as Course in Miracles came along, that had an effect of laying over all of those thought systems and knitting them all together. It was um, just a beautiful coming together in A Course in Miracles of all that had preceded it in terms of exposure to other spiritual and faith traditions. More and more, as I as I grow up, as I, as I age, I'm able to, one could say, connect those dots, recognize uh, the serendipity, recognize the connectedness of early life events, why I was oriented towards certain things and not others. I mean, the writing was on the wall <laughs> for me, if I can use that colloquial expression, 
both in terms of ministry as well as psychotherapy. I was fascinated with psychology as uh, an adolescent into early um, adulthood. I was fascinated with psychology. Three years of undergraduate studies in psychology, but it wasn't my major. Um, my major was in uh, another area completely, but was fascinated. I think, I think what got me through a lot of my undergrad studies, uh, multiple degrees, was my seemingly in the background study and love for psychology. And when I think back about it, it may have been a direction that I could have very easily have stayed with. But of course, the, the calls to materialism uh, the calls for uh, pursuit of uh, societally accepted um, health and well-being led me in another direction. But this love and this fascination with psychology always stayed with me. And so now many years later, uh, here it comes back front and center. That's just one example. My tendency to introspection, my tendency towards philosophizing, my tendency towards uh, stillness, towards silence and solitude. All of these things now are coming back beautifully knit together, collaborating together to, not to sound trite, to, but to bring me home at this stage in my life in terms of what I've chosen to do with my life and with other people as part of my life. Tell us more about your experiences with the sick, the infirm, and the dying, and what that's taught you about death. Uh, it's a beautiful question. It is, for me, that work, uh, being with the sick, the infirm, and the dying, or what I've come to know is that the transforming or the transformational process, it is perhaps the most humbling of the services I offer to be with someone in that setting, to be with someone at that time in their life is very simply humbling. It, it has also uh, given me the opportunity to search out my own answers, to come to my own conclusions, if one would want to say that, and an appreciation for life itself. Uh, this is, of course, married with the studies, uh, the continued study of, for example, Course in Miracles, other spiritual faith traditions, as well as the psychologies, which, which allow us to explore uh, those perennial philosophical questions, what is life, what is death, so on and so forth. But very briefly, there is, um, there is one, it was an experience, uh, so it was grounded in physical form, but one that I was most fortunate to have a few years ago at the culmination of some work I was doing with um, some souls in transformation and I wanted to have a greater appreciation if that was possible. That's the way I thought of it at the time to know what they were going through or I was more curious at the time as to where they were going to. Uh, 
of course, there was a lot written and one can read a lot about uh, both near-death near experiences as well as that transitional process, but I wanted to know for myself. And so meditation and various forms of meditation being a very grounding and, and daily uh, practice for me, ask the question uh, going into meditation, um, you know, what is death? Uh, wanting to be shown this moment, this experience, with the intention of being able to sit even more compassionately with those in transformation, because often you get the questions when you're sitting with someone, you know, what's going to happen to me? <laughs> I'm afraid, I'm scared. And so I was shown, I was shown the moment, what we would consider the moment of death. I was not shown what was beyond it. I was told and informed that when the time was right, when I was ready, in effect, I would be shown what was beyond it. But what I was shown was the moment of death. And as I recently explained in um, a study group, I was asked about it. Um, it's nothing. <laughs> and, and I can't really say anything more about that moment than that. Senses fuse. There is no distinction between your sight, your hearing, your taste, your sense of touch. Everything fuses. I mean, sight may as well as be hearing as hearing is touch, as touch is smell. It's nothing. If it did anything, it allowed me to let go of my own fears about that moment of death. And as I said previously, I was told when the time is right, I'll be shown more. So, but the work, um, the work with the sick and firm and the dying is, is a tremendously humbling service and perhaps one of the more meaningful of all the services that I do, I do offer. Talk more about your collaboration with Richard Harvey and uh, tell us more about the event that uh, is happening in Ottawa with Richard. Yeah, the Enlightened Movement from uh, May 4th to 6th, and I'll, I'll circle back to that. So uh, Richard Harvey, uh, to begin, is a spiritual teacher, author, and psycho-spiritual psychotherapist. He's uh, fairly traditionally trained uh, born and raised in the UK. His experience in the area spans almost 50 years now, five decades. He's based now out of Andalusia, Spain, which is a region, a mountainous region in uh, south or southeast Spain. His retreat center, the uh, physical center for the Center for Human Awakening is based there. He works predominantly from uh, his mountaintop uh, retreat center uh, that is this uh, center for human awakening but we met uh, Richard Harvey and I met as part of that transformational time for me so it was I, I believe late or could have been early 2010 and it was a seemingly serendipitous uh, connection by LinkedIn I can't remember and neither can Richard if Richard reached out to me or if I reached out to Richard but uh, we were connected initially by LinkedIn, and that um, flowed quite easily into a series of collaborative adventures. 
So it began with, for example, the editing of some books that Richard was writing. He's a prolific, a prolific writer. His latest book was his ninth book, and he's published, written and published more than a, a hundred articles. Writing is, is one of his great passions. And so it went from editing and working on some books with him. He then became my psychotherapist, my teacher, uh, spiritual teacher. And as that was uh, unfolding, that relationship, we launched our first collaborative uh, web-based initiative. I think it was in 2012. It was uh, something called sacred attention therapy, which is the form of depth psychotherapy that um, Richard has um, formulated based on his three-stage model of human awakening. And so in 2017, all the way along, we're collaborating on things and our most ambitious collaboration manifested in the form of co-founding this center uh, for human awakening, which was launched almost a year ago. It was January 1, 2017. And the, the mission or the mandate of the Center for Human Awakening is to awaken individual consciousness and further global healing as a way to um, awareness, compassion, and peace in the world. And the Center for Human Awakening, the website, www.centerforhumanawakening.com, if one went, and center, by the way, is spelled C-E-N-T-E-R. It's the American spe spelling rather than um, the British spelling. But if one went, one would see just a, a beautiful plethora and potpourri of, of both products and services in the forms of online uh, courses, the primary one being the Sacred Attention Therapy online course. But Richard Harvey, uh, actually tomorrow, um, is going to uh, embark on a European, uh, United Kingdom, and North American tour with the Enlightened Moment. And this Enlightened Moment is a one, two, or three-day event for groups of 10 to 50 people that brings together uh, satsangs, uh, talks, seminars, as well as workshops. And the intention is that this enlightened moment, it come to Ottawa uh, in May of this year, 2018. The dates are May 4th to 6th. It'll take place at St. Paul's University uh, on Main Street in Ottawa, and uh, certainly looking forward to uh, Richard coming to Ottawa. He'll begin the tour, as I said, when he leaves for Saturday, he's heading to uh, Budapest, uh, Hungary, and then Helsinki, Finland in the weeks after that. Um, but uh, the stop in Ottawa will be at the beginning of uh, May of this year. Towards the end of the interview, I'd like to ask a question about the cinema. So can you talk about one or two movies that have influenced you or that you especially like? Isn't that interesting? I'm not, I'm not what I would call a movie goer. Uh, but uh, the last movie I saw 
was not uh, a Hollywood movie. It was actually a documentary, the second documentary that's been put out about the Bosnian pyramids. Uh, I cannot remember the gentleman's last name, uh, but he's from Bosnia, but living in Ottawa. His name is Vinko, and he put together a documentary about the Bosnian pyramids. And then the other uh, movie I'd say that's had a significant uh, influence on my life is one little-known uh, movie called The Whales of August. This was put out decades ago. And probably one of the most slow-moving movies I've uh, I've had the joy of watching in my life, and certainly it was not a mainstream Hollywood movie. Uh, it it had a very short run in repertory theaters, but had a bit of a cult following, um, if only because of the main uh, characters and the main actors and actresses that were brought together for the movie. Um, but not a big, not a big movie goer, Mark, but recently the documentary on the Bosnian pyramids and then the Wales of August remains my favorite movie of all time. Well, in terms of promotion, um, if one is interested in psychospiritual psychotherapy, A Course in Miracles, uh, please get in touch through uh, my ministry website, which is www.servingyourjourney.com. And uh, please keep in mind the uh, three-day, May 4th to 6th, uh, workshop um, conference event happening here in Ottawa, where uh, Richard Harvey will be coming to Ottawa, again, May 4th to 6th. One can get in touch with me either through the Spiritual Guidance website or if they want to go to the Center for Human Awakening website and find out more, it's www.centerforhumanawakening.com. Center is spelled C-E-N-T-E-R. Follow the main link to courses and then the link to Enlightened Moment, and you'll see all the information about the event there. Well, that does it for another episode. Just a reminder, the website for this podcast is furtherreflections.net. There you can find the episode archive. You can find more about myself. You can support the podcast, and you can see the archive of my previous podcast, Reflections On. Thanks for listening.